Welcome to DNF, an F1 podcast that, you know, we try to keep it relatively like, what would you say, Jessica Smetana, my co-host? Information allergic? I would say information light. Yes. Fun heavy, though. We we try to hit the balance of, do you know how smart you have to be to be this dumb? That's that's (laughs) really... That, that's really where I want to take it. I'm not speaking for you there, but... No, that's fine. You can speak for me. Exactly. Um, this is a special day because we have a guest, Elizabeth Blackstock of Jalopnik.com, the finest automotive website on the planet for like, I don't know, 15 years running. Uh, Elizabeth wrote a piece this week that we are going to discuss about what a mess... The Miami Grand Prix was to attend in person last year. Whether we're going to get a repeat of that. Um, I would be irresponsible, though, if we did not go back and discuss a little bit of the week that was in Formula One, including um, Esteban Ocon almost mowing down an entire row of photographers who were straying Oops. across pit lane in uh, the Park Ferme. Ferme? Is there an accent on that, by the way? Are we, Ferme. Are we, Ferme. Is it Ferme? Yeah. Is there an accent? Yeah. I think okay. there's a, there a, a yeah. Is I don't it remember an accent what, grave what or an accent acute? Grave. Grave. Okay, so it is. Fifty fifty guess. That's good. No, the one no, no, that no. points right. out. The yeah, one that, that one. Out. Yeah. <laughs> the uh. Yeah. Is it the, is it the alligator going this way or the alligator going that way? <laughs> oh my god! Call my French teacher. She'll know. Yes. Uh, you're the expert since you do on the Levitard show occasionally deliver the one minute of F1 coverage that that show provides. The one minute worth listening to of the entire show, dare I say. <laughs> Let's just throw that out there. Harsh the one fair. Mi- actual value. Um, but we're going to discuss Baku as well. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. I wanted to just ask, first of all, everyone takes something different away from every single F1 race. This was kind of a snoozer. But what was the one storyline that you looked at and you said, hey, I want to talk more about that. That was more significant than people thought. That was more interesting than people noticed. I think actually the results of that race between the sprint race that we had and the actual race with Checo Perez winning both, I think we're going to have to look back at that race in Baku and say that was a turning point in the season when we get to the end of the year. Like, it was a boring race. I did not enjoy waking up at 6 in the morning to watch that. Um, Mm -hmm. But also, Checo just sweeping the weekend, I think, is going to end up becoming something that is much bigger and we keep following that storyline through the end of the season. So what do you attribute that to? Is it Max having like a little bit of issues driving the car he wants to like the way he wants to drive it? Is it Checo being a master at these types of circuits? Why did he come away with all the success this weekend? I think we have a little bit of both of those things. Um, but Verstappen seems to have like a lot going on in his head right now. There were so many rumors all week of like him talking about how much he wants to leave the series. Um, and he has other business interests that he could go pursue instead of F1. Uh, I think he's a little bit in his own head. You could kind of see that when he got spicy with um, George Russell after the sprint race. So I think he's just kind of like feeling the tension and Checo is just there. Checo's been through this before. He knows how to be a number two driver. He has experience. Like he's ready to roll. Uh, and he's he's doing good. He's doing well. For Stefan, is just he's having a rough spot. I think he's going to come back from it. Um, he is unfortunately a great driver. <laughs> but Checo's got, got something going on right now. Elizabeth, is this Max Verstappen entering his I'm just going to go to law school phase? I definitely think it is. It's weird to say because he's so young and he still has so much potential, but it seems like he's 
almost checked out a little bit um, and just doesn't seem to enjoy like what F1 is right now, which is kind of funny because F1 is Red Bull right now. That is spot on. So as a discerning uh, Formula One journalist, one of the one of the only on this podcast, when you are seeing rumors like that, like I, I found that Formula One is is um, it's difficult to parse through rumors when they're coming from so many sources because it's an mm-hmm. international sport. And like Spencer and I do a lot of, you know, college football stuff. And I think we have like the the inherent knowledge of what's real, what's BS. But how do you parse through and when you hear like those Max Verstappen rumors or even like this Fernando Alonso Taylor Swift rumor now that was like the story of the weekend for yeah. all of the Aston Martin press that was uh, that happened. How do you parse through and actually kind of determine where that's coming from and, and what's real? I think p- most of it is coming like you have to read the direct quotes that people are giving. So like the Fernando Alonso stuff, that's just silly. That was fully third party sources. Like I'm having a great time making memes about it, uh, but that's like the extent I think of the legitimacy we're gonna see there. Uh, With the Max Verstappen stuff, like he is actively saying words that are, you know, he's conveying that he's not happy. Um, I don't think he's actually going to leave. Like Ferrari has said the exact same thing. Max Verstappen said like verbatim for, 45 years like (laughs) they're always threatening to leave the sport um so i don't think we're actually going to see it happen but i think that the it what it conveys more is like that psychological aspect that is underlying why he's making those statements like you don't just go to the press and say that kind of stuff unless you're trying to force someone's hand Uh, and i think he's a little displeased with the fact that sergio perez has been a force to reckon with this season and even last season we saw a lot of that happening as well um he's just not like the de facto number one anymore like he he's kind of having to make a little bit of room for Checo, and i think that's where his frustration is coming from so one of the new-ish things this weekend that was around the last few seasons was this sprint race format the new iteration which is qualifying for sunday on friday the sprint race qualifying on saturday morning uh for for us watchers what was your takeaway from all of that how many drivers and team principals hated it do fans actually like it and what did you enjoy about it if anything i <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm if so anything, you don't have yeah. to like any of i i listened to another formula one podcast that all five panelists were just complaining about it for like an hour yeah. so that's that's fair <laughs> the one thing i did like about it was that qualifying for the sprint race is its own thing this year i think that was that's good Last year, it was so confusing trying to figure that out. Not that they've made it any easier to parse out this year, unfortunately. It's still a quagmire of just nonsense that's going on. Um, I'm not a big sprint race person anyway. I understand the like, we want to give you more bang for your buck and more racing for the weekend, but I just don't care. Like a sprint race is the most disinteresting part of a Formula One race. Like the bit before the pit stop, after the pit stop is generally when things are interesting. So. I've not been a big fan of it. Um, I just also think that this like Saturday doesn't actually matter really at all toward Sunday is just weird to me. Uh, like it's so weird to know that I'm gonna be at the US Grand Prix this year and like Saturday has nothing nothing related to what we're gonna be doing on Sunday. It's just kind of like plunked in the middle. And I've seen a lot of fans being upset about that kind of thing where it's like, If you're going to miss a day at the track, you're going to miss Friday because you probably have to work. So you're missing qualifying for the race, which is frustrating. Um, I personally would probably switch the 
sprint shootout and the actual qualifying. So that qualifying is still on Saturday. Um, but Mr. Formula One does not like my ideas and has not hired me yet. So uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Just sending an email to Mr. Formula One at Mr. Yeah. Formula One.com. I feel like George Both Russell is Mr. Ideas. Formula One. If we were like a Mr. Formula One pageant, <laughs> mm-hmm. he would win. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. We did. We did have though one thing I wanted to talk about. George Russell getting his elbows out again, becoming Dark George. My favorite (laughs) evolving storyline of the 2023 season is George Russell not being the best lad anymore, but becoming the dark lad, becoming the one who uh, is getting his elbows out, asserting himself more, and cut off Max Verstappen. Another thing that made Max Verstappen... This is a very long list of things, things that make Max Verstappen unhappy, right? But Mm -hmm. one of them is someone actually doing to him what he does to everybody else, which is getting his elbows out and passing mm-hmm. him on a corner is that is that does that matter at all or is, or is that just you know more stunt work that we can talk about after the race i think like obviously stunt work is it's freaking cool to see that but that i think that is starting to like wear away on max verstappen uh he's gotten away with a lot of stuff for a really long time i started out not liking him i still don't really uh because max replaced my favorite driver <laughs> back in 2014 in 2015 so i was not stoked about that and i remain not stoked uh but like red bull has kind of like paved a path for him so max verstappen has just kind of been able to like walk freely with no interference or obstacles so yeah he's he's kind of gotten away with a lot of stuff i think he's realizing uh he can't anymore and that's starting to really bother him and the george russell thing was absolutely part of that he just Someone did to him what he has done to others, and he was not stoked. So we put out a a call for questions. We usually answer a lot of fan questions on the show. And one of the recurring themes is what the hell is going on with Valtteri Bottas this year? Can you enlighten us on what, uh, why he is having the season he's having? Um, I think he has kind of checked out from the whole competitive thing and he's just here for the vibes now. Um, Kimi Raikkonen (laughs) did something extremely similar when he went Mm -hmm. from Ferrari and then went into Alfa Romeo as well. Like Kimi Raikkonen was just there to have fun. He was there to collect a paycheck, race around the world and have a great time. I'm pretty certain that's what Valtteri's doing. He's like, he can have his mullet and his little mustache. He can have all of his new alcohol sponsorships. Uh, and he can just have a great time and still like get a good paycheck to do not really anything. Like I would absolutely be a Formula One driver at the back of the field for that exact reason. Uh, so I, I think that is like he's just checked out. He's just here to have fun. And we need I to make that happen. Let's get you in. Let's get you in the <laughs> Alfa Romeo for the rest of the season. Please. I yeah, I, I'd we'll email Mr. F- Mr. F1 about that in the sprint race format. Yeah, Valtteri exactly. would be Valtteri would be on board with this. He has yet to pull off something as elaborate and a caper as as diabolical as his uh, his compatriot Kimi Raikkonen, who, mm-hmm. when racing for Lotus, managed to get a fifty thousand euro guarantee for every point he scored. Lotus did not believe he would score more than a couple of points, and due to scoring three hundred and ninety points in two years with Lotus. He nearly bankrupted the team by himself. The bar is really high, is is what I am saying, in terms of phoning it in and capers. Until you end up in the truck series, you are no Kimi Raikkonen, (laughs) Valtteri. Until you end up in the NASCAR truck series. Excuse me, kitty. Sorry. My cat cat likes to come say hello. There's a slider. (laughs) Hi, slider. I have have three. (laughs) 
Jessica, are we, okay. ready to, are we ready to talk about Miami, your favorite city in the world? Can, can we talk about the uh, tragic incident that almost was first oh, yeah, before we, we move on to Miami? Yes. Because this, there have been a number of these instances in the last, I, I mean, probably in the last forever, where Formula One or the FIA or race organizers, whoever is to be blamed, have maybe done something or not done something that has led to a near catastrophic incident. So this weekend it was Esteban Ocon who... Uh, smartly, the Sky Sports broadcast realized had not pitted in the race and there was only one lap to go. So he would be coming into the pit lane. And Ted Kravitz, the pit lane reporter, was like, they are already setting up the barricade in the pit lane. And the team, Red Bull's team, had come on to the pit wall to celebrate already. Um, but we're pretty sure he's going to come in because he has to pit at least once. So he nearly ran into a whole lot of people and luckily, uh, you know, hit his brakes in time where he didn't. But what like wh why do these things keep happening and how do we stop them from happening? I think the thing that you'll find with almost all motorsport everywhere forever uh, is that no one does anything. No rule exists until someone has raised that issue and made it like, oh, we we have to deal with something like this. So head protection in the the cars, which is why we have the halos now, was not an issue until we had a driver die because of a head injury. At that point, it was like, here's how we fix this. Um, this is something that like, I absolutely think we're going to see immediately change that they're going to close off the pit lane until the race has ended. Uh, but it, like, it's never been an issue before. No one has pitted on the last lap and caused that kind of chaos. So it like it just it wasn't a thing that they had to worry about. Um, and that's that's pretty much the same for every series or across the planet. Um, Neck protection was not a thing in NASCAR until Dale Earnhardt died. Um, sometimes it takes a tragedy. Sometimes it just takes a misstep like we saw over this weekend. Um, and I, I'm hoping by, I believe they've already like the FIA has met about this and like has some strategies for Miami in place, which is it's good to see the the like rapid action on that one. But yeah, that was that was actually legit, legitimately terrifying. I think sometimes we can forget how scary this can be. Like race cars, not always hunky dory. Um, and that, I think that one was like, that woke me right up. Um, and I, oh, I did not like to see the, his onboard of that. That was not fun. Well, you've been, you have covered races before. Mm -hmm. You have been down in Park Ferme um, mm -hmm. with the accent going this way. Yeah. That is not an area where anyone is, just wandering around with their nose in the air, not paying attention. That is mm -mm. that is an area where, especially if you are somebody who is not essential personnel, you are on your toes just to not be in the way, much yeah. less to get close to the pit wall. Um, mm -hmm. it, that it was boggling to me to see that yeah. just because everyone takes that area so seriously because it is so closed off and it's so controlled. There's a they do take it seriously, but at the same time, they're is a lot of entitlement that comes into play when it comes to like, I'm getting the photo, I'm getting the story. Mm -hmm. um, I am a short gal. So I've been like elbowed out of the way by other journalists before just because I'm not an intimidating presence. A lot of those people are out there and they're staking their claim and saying, I am here and nothing is going to make me move. And I think that's part of why you kind of get those blinders on where it is this like, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to be here first and I'm going to do these things um, that like aren't really okay, but are not explicitly banned just because I'm getting there first. Uh, and I'm pretty sure like that's what it was. There were a lot of people in their photo vests and a lot of Red Bull crew members out there. Obviously, they're there to celebrate, but 
they're also there to like, they want to be the person close to the fence. It's like showing up to a concert early. You want to be front row. Um, and so until someone says like, you literally can't do that anymore, they w- would continue to do that. That's a, that's a good point about mm-hmm. like the access and being cutthroat with access. Cause I think that's the same in a lot of sports, but a lot of sports aren't as like physically dangerous to, to yeah. journalists and reporters as formula one. Um, mm-hmm. But I also wonder now that Formula One has grown at, like exponentially in the last few years, if there's more reporters and media covering events that aren't, you know, haven't been around for an incident like that and maybe are not, you don't have their heads on a swivel quite as much. But mm-hmm. the race was in Azerbaijan. That that would be something that I would expect to see yeah. in Miami <laughs> where I was wandering around the pit lane last year like, ah, the, oh, I'm in the pit lane. Oh, my God. And then I like, yeah. scurried away. But like I, that, th- those are both really good points that I, I've also wondered about. So, yes, Spencer, now we can move on to Miami. Uh, where should we begin? We should talk, I think, first about the story that you wrote in Jalopnik, which was titled uh, Formula One's race strategy in America isn't convincing fans to stick around. And you spoke to some fans who went to the Miami race last year. What was the mm-hmm. overall takeaway from their experience there? Pretty much everyone I spoke to felt that the race, what they paid for the race was not equal to the experience that they had there. Um, that was pretty much like the big thing I wanted to ask people about because I I went to that event. I covered it as media um, and I was a guest of Red Bull too. So I wasn't paying out of pocket to be there, but I still felt extremely out of place. I think like Formula One is very elite. I grew up white trash. Like I've never been on that same level. What's up? Exactly. (laughs) So like, but that, that race was the first time I actively felt like I didn't belong. Um, It was like a place to see and be seen. I was in my like, cute little target dress and it's like people out here are wearing like their bag costs more than my car um like it, it felt kentucky derby-esque with like mm-hmm. the costuming happening i think it did and it was that and- i wanted to ask that it that mm-hmm. was to me a different vibe than even the austin race yes that the austin the austin race very much has a folks like there are actual mm-hmm. folks who are at the austin race that was not the vibe in miami No. So Miami, I believe, really was like it was a place to see and be seen. Um, And so the people I spoke to were I talked to some people who were like longtime F1 fans who had been going to races all over the world um, and felt like they were just super disappointed by the experience they had in Miami. It's a parking lot. You really can't do anything in terms of the fan experience there. But um, it was still just like I spent eight thousand dollars. And for what? Um, to like see a little corner of the track, not have any shade. And also they ran out of water for people. So like, what are you supposed to do? And I also talked to people who are sports fans um, in the United States, but had just gotten into F1. So it was really fascinating to hear their experiences and their comparisons of you walk into a Formula One race and you're just kind of stuck there for the whole day. You can't leave. You can't go to the bar. You can't really do anything. You're just at the track trying to find shade with all of these other people trying to do the same thing. Um, And everyone was just very disappointed. It was a lot of it was just like, yeah, I would never come back here again. Like I'd come back if it was free and someone was paying for me, but I'm not going to go spend my own money on that kind of thing, which entirely reasonable. They are switching up the paddock this year. I think Mm -hmm. maybe in response to this not being enough of an event or just trying to do something interesting, the media paddock is going to be, in the stadium itself on the turf that the dolphins Mm. play on so fans 
fans will be able to buy tickets to just what like part of, as part of their general package they will be able to watch all of that if they want so it which is interesting to me because that's yeah. selling that's selling the fishbowl it's like we yeah. complained we complained okay there's a fishbowl effect there's really it's only really only made for these people and the response was we'll sell tickets to the fishbowl that's fascinating <laughs> to me yeah, that's that's very much Formula One. It, like, if we can market it, we will market it, and we will charge you five hundred dollars at least for the pleasure. Also, uh, worth shouting out, a lot of like the people you talked to mentioned how hot it was and how there yes. was so little respite from the heat. Um, mm -hmm. And like we, you know, you were in the media area. I saw Spencer there. I was there for a little bit. We at least had like an air conditioned room yeah. we could go to if we were about to pass out from heat exhaustion. But of course, it's May in Miami, and the yeah. forecast right now is a high of eighty six every day with no clouds, just straight sunshine. So there's almost that aspect of it, which is not something Formula One can can even fix um, yeah. because it's an outdoor event where, like you said, it's in a parking lot. It's hot, mm -hmm. it's sticky, and there's nowhere to go because you're out in the middle of Miami gardens, you know, without yeah. a access to come and go as you please. So there are aspects of it that like maybe the location is not mm -hmm. the greatest. And then you build all these other things on top of it, like very expensive hospitality yeah. suites that most fans can't afford that make the issue even more difficult. So um, I, I did enjoy the quote of the of the person you interviewed who said that they were like Joe Exotic. I'm never going to be able to financially recover yeah. from this. Yeah. <laughs> it was so that, funny. <laughs> that does bring us to one of our, our listener questions, which is that. Um, so I will not be at the Miami Grand Prix this weekend because I'm going to my friend's wedding. But what race would make the best bachelorette weekend? Because I think we can rule out Miami just from an Ooh. expense point of view. I was going to say, like, Miami from the fun part, absolutely. Miami from the money part, do not even bother. Um, <laughs> if you want to do, like, a fun bachelorette weekend, you're probably going to want to go to Europe. You can do it for cheaper than you can do any race here in America. I haven't been to all of the, the races in Europe, so I can't speak to, like, what would be the best. But the Hungarian Grand Prix is close enough to town that you can commute in. And I believe it's the same case with Monza. So if you want to get lit in Italy with all of the Ferrari fans, go to Monza. Thoughts on Montreal. That was one that Ooh, I Mont thought about because Montreal's of proximity. And yeah. Mexico Mon City, maybe? Can we throw Mexico City in? We can. We can. Mexico okay. City and Montreal. Okay, I've been to Montreal. That race is from just phenomenal. Like I had so much fun. I'm hopefully going back this year. I've never been to the Mexico City race for Formula One. I've been for Formula E, and even for that, like a way smaller series, the fans turn up. Uh, so it's a great vibe, um, and you will have so much fun and buy so many like great things to eat for no money at all. Okay, we're gonna go hungry number one. Montreal number two, Mexico City potential number three. Got it. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, we have we have another. This is very much of the of the ilk of our our uh, viewership here. How would you tinker with the sprint format in a way that upsets the most people possible? Ooh. So what's the what's the absolute worst race weekend schedule that we can come up with that seems plausible? Like maybe F one would do this. I think like so many people keep calling for the reverse grid where um, you have like, it, it goes backwards. Oh, I love this idea. Yeah. And everyone's like, that would make it so much more interesting. But I know for a goddamn fact, as soon as you do that, everyone's going to lose their minds and no one is going to be happy with it. So I honestly think they should do that. Um, 
I know like you can't pass on most of these circuits. You're just yeah. going to be stuck behind slow drivers. Your favorite driver is going to hit somebody and crash out. You're going to like I have I'm fully confident that if Formula One did this one time, everyone would be so mad about it that they could never do it again. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say the reverse. That's grid a great spring. Yeah. I think they should do a reverse grid, but not announce it until after the grid is set. So like, Ooh. say we do like, you know, 12 sprint races next year, because we have to have more. But then Formula One tells us before the season, four of these will be reverse grid. And then no one knows. Mm -hmm. And that way you can't tank either. Oh, I think that That's would piss one. off everyone. Christian There's Horner also would be so upset. Oh, I know. There's a, a sprint car series here in the United States called the High Low Series. Um, and they like, the pole sitter can like roll a dice and then whatever number it comes up, it's like if you want to start from like sixth place, you'll get a, like, I think it's like $10,000 or something for every place you make up if you think you can win the race. I think that would be a great thing for the sprint race too. Like Max Verstappen, you can start from 10th, even though you qualified on pole. But if you go forward, you'll like get more money or something. So I like that would be wow. fun. It's a very like Americana way to go about it. But like, yeah. I think it'd be great. You get health care if you pass yeah. someone in front of you. Exactly. This is the Dr. Pepper challenge, right? Like this is the Dr. Pepper challenge. Yeah. Uh, this is I heard. Another Those are terrible suggestion. ideas. I love them. Yeah. Is that one way? We, can we adopt the Formula E solution? For that where we start in reverse order and switch have to switch drivers oh they they haven't done the driver switch thing in a while but i personally think that they should bring it back for formula one like i think the driver should have to switch out and then give it over to the reserve driver that would be fun that's what i want in order to emphasize exactly how good or how bad each teammate is like right now aston mm. like they'll be great it'll be awesome they'll finish Absolutely. first Absolutely, i'm not as certain about other teams, Red Bull in particular. Yeah, I don't think Red Bull could do it. I don't think they'd be able to handle it, and that would be beautiful. Okay, let's do a semi-serious question from a from a listener. Over under five and a half races this year won by someone besides Verstappen or Perez. Not gonna happen. I'll take, I'll take the under. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll, I'll take the under. Yeah. I'll take the under and it's five. Yeah at this point it's just nobody's there's no evidence there's absolutely no ev like yeah we need both red bulls to crash out for them to even consider multiple podium spots not belonging to them at this point if i i'm pretty sure like three races all those three are going to be disaster for red bull and that's the only reason someone actually wins that's not one of them if verstappen is sad and retires halfway through the season i have the right to change my answer <laughs> Correct. <laughs> if he has a if he goes on sad sabbatical, for whatever reason. I mean, I read a really great thread by at underscore all that glitz uh, Sarah on Twitter who uh, is from Box This Lap, and she had a great detailed thread about what a good race Charles Leclerc had in Baku and how brilliant mm -hmm. his baiting of Fernando Alonso down the stretch was, and that's all true. And yet, that's not getting him anywhere into the top two. <laughs> that's just no. as long as the, like no. he did everything possible and managed his car well and outdueled the competition and adopted a brilliant strategy and adapted to difficult in race situations with great fluidity and made excellent decisions. And it doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. So yeah, under under five point mm -hmm. five. 
Oh yeah. Um, this is Doug is saying that we have gotten three different variations, at least of this same question. Um, are we ready to tackle my favorite media question of the weekend, which is who will take, who will uh, not take rabbits, who will Martin Brundle confuse for another celebrity this weekend in Miami last year, it was confusing uh, Paolo Bancaro with Patrick Mahomes was his big confusion. That's funny. Who will this be this weekend? I have a guess. I'm going to say going off of last year, uh, Paulo Bancaro was a NBA draft selection, right? Who had not been drafted yet. So I'm going to go with another recently drafted professional athlete, Will Levis. And I'm going to say uh, Martin Brundle will call him J.J. Watt. Okay. <laughs> I like that. There one. is no legitimate answer I could come up with for this because I <laughs> only know race car. And I would be in Martin Brundle's shoes if I was on the grid trying to talk to people. <laughs> Well, so, I really hope his producer watched the NFL draft because I'm telling you, there will be Miami Dolphins there and there will be NFL who's players. Be. Well, one NFL player I know, a new NFL player, um, was already an F1 fan and was in attendance at Austin, and that's Bijan Robinson. Ooh. So I do not know who uh, former Texas Longhorns running back and current Atlanta Falcon Bijan Robinson will be confused for, but he will confuse him for someone. Bijan Robinson is. <laughs> my number one vote because i already know that that he's there love speed had a lamborghini endorsement as an undergrad which uh congrats on him for being a 21 year old okay, young man who NIL. did not immediately wrap a lamborghini around a telephone pole which is Impressive. exactly what i would have done yeah uh the discretion and the respect for speed there young man well done do we know if he took it to coda at all to race if lamborghini could get him on the track i imagine he took that up so yeah <laughs> Oh man, this is a good question. This is a deep cut, Elizabeth. You may not uh, understand this reference, but I'll explain it to you. So, Dan Levitard wore a um, like basketball shorts, undershirt, orthopedic shoe combination to the Miami race last year. And like you God described, him. people there were dressed very fancily. He was dressed for the weather, so honestly, that meant, no, he showed up prepared. He he knew he was going <laughs> to walk around and be hot, and he was ready. Exactly. Uh, will his outfit be better or worse than what he wore last year? I think he's going to accidentally wear something worse to overcompensate for last year and show up in like a three piece suit and then get roasted for that and like literally roast in the sun. So that's hilarious. Yeah, that no, that's <laughs> I love fire that. suit. Full fire, fire suit. suit. <laughs> Ooh, that would be a fun Martin Brundle um, accidental uh, oh, I think that's uh, American po podcast host Pat McAfee. No, no it's Dan Levitard. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Dan Patrick? No, no it's not. <laughs> he, would, he would confuse him for he probably confused him for a retired lineman because if you don't know Dan, <laughs> Dan Levitard got some size on him. He's a, that's a big man. He is lineman size. That's true. Yeah. So, oh, I have an answer. This is a good Miami-specific question. This is from at Weirwood522. Considering it looks like it might rain on Sunday, is the fake marina built for real water? Um, yes. my, Miami's not built for real water, so no. <laughs> no. No. Uh, will Swamp Boy Logie Sarge, I've never heard Logan Sargent referred to as Logie Sarge. Congratulations on innovation, sir. Win Best Florida Man. Well, he's the only real Florida man in there, so wherever he finishes, 
Um, you're on top, sir. Logan Sargent, by the way, I'll point out for Dade County purists is from Fort Lauderdale, not from Dade County. He is Broward. So Broward baby. Yeah, Broward baby. I think they should like with NASCAR, when they do the like New England race, they give the winner a live lobster. And I think that Logan Sargent for winning best Florida man should receive a live alligator. Ooh, I like. I was gonna say maybe like a stone crab, but I think stone crab season's officially closed as of May first. So, I think alligator is a is a good bet. We could certainly find one. So while we're on the topic of Logan Sargent, Elizabeth, since you were writing about um, F one trying to capitalize on American fandom, has there been any sort of Logan Sargent effect? Does anyone? I mean, he's on Williams, so he's obviously not a front runner. I don't know if he. I think he might have not scored any points yet this season, but I need to double check. Um, has there been any sort of like fleeing of no, of uh, American fans to Team Williams now to support our Broward County Logie Sarge? I haven't really seen anything, which I think is kind of sad. Uh, the last time we had an American was in 2015 with Alexander Rossi, and they really, really pushed him. Like they marketed that boy so hard. He was there, did so many autograph signings and stuff at the U.S. Grand Prix, even though it was like hurricane weather pouring rain um he was out there with his little sharpie doing it i have not seen the same kind of thing from logan Sargent. i think part of that is just like he wasn't really a big thing that people were watching everyone was kind of had their they had their eyes on colton herda instead so it was kind of disappointing that like everyone researched colton herda they were like we know this guy he can possibly make it to IndyCar or sorry, not from in, to IndyCar from IndyCar to F1. Um, we'll know everything about him. And then Logan Sargent just kind of like slipped in there and it was like, ah, oh, we don't know who this guy is. Uh, we don't have an investment in him. And also he's on Williams. So like, what does it matter? <laughs> Piggy backing off of that to talk about the fact that now there's a third race in the United States this year. What can, yeah. what, like, what has the Miami experience so far meant for what fans should expect in Las Vegas, which is going to be another street circuit and another probably insanely expensive event for fans to attend. I was going to say, don't expect to see anything. Don't expect to get away from there without spending a whole lot of money. Um, The Las Vegas situation blows my mind. The general admission area is like you're paying $500 to watch on a television, not even see the track. The different grandstand section areas are cut off from each other. So you can only go to one part. You can't walk the whole track, which like I have to do that when I'm at a new circuit. I have to go around the whole thing. So that's kind of disappointing. Um, I, you're not going to if you if you have paid for a ticket to Vegas, there's a good chance that you're not actually going there to watch the race. You're going there to be seen at the racetrack. Um, which is a totally different vibe. I think the race is going to be fun to watch at home (laughs) on my couch because seeing the cars race down the strip is going to be sick, but I don't think anyone who actually goes is going to be there and enjoy the fact that a race is happening. I think they're just going to enjoy the fact that like they're rich people and they have a lot of alcohol and money to just throw around. Yeah. Just to give you some perspective on that, the race, the rate for what I saw was general admission, a minimum of four nights stay at a uh, Caesars grade hotel in the area was starting at a basic suite for $14,000. So that's two tickets, four nights, 14 grand as a start. Prices may dive before uh, if demand slackens for any of this. That has not been the indication thus far. They just started paving this weekend 
for uh, for the race coming up and the fall. And I don't really know how any of this is made. It, it, like one one little thing. What if you're already there? What if you just booked your Vegas trip a long time ago and you're already there and you just want to hang out in the casinos and suddenly an F1 race just breaks out in the middle of it? There's going to be, you say, oh, Spencer, that could not happen. Surely nobody could show up in Vegas that weekend and not know there was an F1 race. I point you to people who decide to go to Vegas. That I guarantee you half the people do not know this is inbound. My mom is doing a trip to Vegas over the summer and she was like, wait, there's a Formula One race in Vegas. I just heard about this. Am I going to be there at the same time? Because I don't want to be there at the same time. I was like, no, mama, you're going to be fine. Oh, it is 100% reminiscent of the people who were in Nashville during the NFL draft that were like, why are all these damn NFL fans in jerseys on the strip? I'm trying to enjoy <laughs> my my bachelorette party bar crawl. Damn it. I'm just trying to go to Kid Rocks. Yeah, that's just, I, like you joke, there's going to be, if somebody ends up on the track at the end of the race in Vegas, one, we hope nothing bad happens, but two, I guarantee you, they will have just wandered onto the track with a yard long beer, wanting to know how they can get back to the flamingo elizabeth projections forward who do you see in miami benefiting from the city's unique mixture of gravel that doesn't stick to the track or asphalt that does not stick to the track uh high they resurface they and... resurface spencer mm-hmm. i'm sure mm-hmm. i'm sure <laughs> this is this is this is how i know jessica's lived in miami long enough is that she's playing along with the yeah sure everything will be fine if only they would resurface the street that I live on as well, because I fuck up my car every day when I'm driving on it. Yes, Anyways. Tell us tell us who you see benefiting from the second GP setup and also plug uh, everything you've got going on. Oh, God. Well, I'll start with my, my predictions. I think it's going to be Red Bull. I don't... I'm not getting spicy with my picks. I... <laughs> I think I think it'll be Checo. I'll go that far. I'll say Max is going to have an issue with something or other. His balance is going to be off again, and it's just going to throw him out, out for a loop, and Checo will be there. But it's going to be a Red Bull. You hate to see it. You kind of do. Um, that's that's as spicy as I'm going to get. As far as plugging things, just follow me on Twitter, at Eliz underscore Blackstock. I do a 1,005 things, uh, and you will find them all on Twitter because – Otherwise, it's, uh, you will be here for an hour as I list <laughs> everything else out. Well, thank you for joining us. She's Elizabeth Blackstock, yeah. a senior motorsport editor at Jalopnik and co-author of yeah. Racing with Rich Energy, How a Rogue Sponsor Took Formula One for a Ride. We appreciate your insight expertise. Thank you for interviewing Unhappy Miami Grand Prix fans so we don't have to. Um, and hopefully we'll have you back soon. This was great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it was a high honor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.